This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. It's episode 702. This week, we welcome Jason Lee, Vice President of Sales and Client Solutions at BioPlanet. Jason has spent many years in a variety of building service positions and was thrust into learning about IEQ early in his career. We look forward to talking to him about his new role at BioPlanet, his past experience, and, and also his, his uh, thoughts on some current events. So before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. They're the reason we can continue doing the show. IAQ Radio Plus Marquee Sponsor is First On Site Property Restoration at firstonsite.com. IAQ Radio Association sponsors are ACGIH, the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists at ACGIH.org. AIHA, the American Industrial Hygiene Association at AIHA.org. IICRC, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification at IICRC.org. The Restoration Industry Association, RIA at restorationindustry.org. The Environmental Information Association, EIA at eia-usa.org. IAQ Radio Industry Sponsors are AEML Laboratories at aemlinc.com. Particles Plus at particlesplus.com. TSI Inc. at tsi.com. Tramex Meters at tramexmeters.com, and Healthy Indoors Magazine at healthyindoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. Congratulations go out to Darren Hadima at Pure Clean uh, Academy down in Florida, who was first to identify water activity as the term defined as a dimensionless parameter that correlates with the proportion of water available for biological or chemical reactions and is related to the energy status of the water molecules in a given system. The IQ tri- Radio Trivia question for today, June 9, 2023, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring of indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI.com. Here is today's IAQ Radio Trivia question. What is the subject matter of U.S. Patent Number 2247963? Back to you, Joe. You better put that one in the chat, Cliff. <laughs> All right. During his service. Yep. During his service in the U.S. Army, Jason Lee became a Lean Sigma Six overseeing projects to ensure operational continuity during the downsizing of our nation's military in the 90s. In 2003, his passion for continuous improvement led him to the construction and built environment sector, where he became one of the world's first. Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, LEAD AP, Operations and Maintenance. Serving as a resident expert for building service contractors for the past 15 years, 
He has spearheaded indoor environmental quality initiatives for Fortune 500 companies and educational institutions throughout the U.S. Today, Jason is the Vice President of Sales and Client Solutions for BioPlanet, headquartered in Athens, Georgia. Welcome, Jason. Great to meet you and great to get a chance to talk today. Great to be here, Radio Joe. Thanks. I got my air quality shirt on. I'm ready. (laughs) You're ready for some clean air. You know what? I'm ready for some clean air. I got my Corsi Rosenthal box here. Uh, We've been in the midst of some really bad air from uh, the Canadian wildfires. It's been terrible down there. I can't imagine what they're going through up there. Um, You know, I'm curious. Let's let's start with um, your current position at BioPlanet. Tell us a little bit about BioPlanet and uh, what you do for them. Sure. Yeah. BioPlanet is a manufacturer of electrostatic technologies and chemistries. So these are just specifically designed for indoor air quality and surface disinfection to protect pets, plants, and people. And when you say electrostatic, so what's kind of the, what's the differentiator for BioPlanet? You know, you're in the disinfection space, surface disinfection space. What kind of different, you know, there's a lot of people that do that. What differentiates you from the others? Yeah, great question. It all goes back to the technology, Joe. Um, So the technology is based on induction charge technology. And if you're not familiar with electrostatics, what that really means is all the other competitors, if you will, it's kind of a good, better vest is the best way to explain it. So all the other competitors use what's called a contact charge electrostatic spraying, which is very good. It works, uh, but in a different way. Um, Ours, because it has an induction charge, has 100% coverage. So I'll give you an example. Um, if you're not familiar with induction charged, if you're Seinfeld fans, this was initially used in technology for spray tanning. So if you've ever been to a spray tanning booth, this is the same technology. And they used Mystic Tan uh, on the, one of the Seinfeld episodes. So if you remember that, the reason I bring that up is if they were to try to use contact charging in a spray tan booth, you would just have freckles. So again, does it work? Yes, but does it provide a full coverage or wraparound benefits? Unfortunately, not. <laughs> so that's the biggest differentiator for us. Not to mention the air quality. So that's on the surface side. So because it has that uh, the induction charge technology to it, it will attract to anything. Of course, as we all know in air quality, you can't see what's in the air. So because it's electrically charged through that induction, it also has an air quality benefit. How does that, what, what, what does it do? Attract particles? Certainly does. Yeah. So anything in the air. So as you can imagine, if, you know, again, to compare good, better, best, if you were to use a pump up sprayer or another contact charge technology, it would really just push, you know, it's more like just misting, if you will, or just pushing those because it's not really collecting or attracting to it. Whereas in the induction charged, anything you spray into that surface and that spray area, it, it's, it's attracting to it within that space, whether it's air or surface. Cliff, you want to follow up yeah, on that? Yeah, I, I do. I remember attending an ISSA convention probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And they there was a, a company there, and they did a really cool demonstration. They had an apple. And what they did is they were spraying, uh, you know, had a, an electrostatic spray system. I'm not sure which one of the three that you mentioned that they were using, but they were able to coat this apple 360 degrees with a powder. So I guess they had suspended a 
powder into the water. It was pretty cool because it worked kind of instantly. And, you know, you're standing and, you know, the, the mist is all going where it's supposed to go, you know, rather than going into the air and people inhaling it and so on and so forth. So would that have been a different type of technology than induction? Because they were able to get the 360. Yeah. So Cliff, the, the key that you just touched on, we've seen a lot of competitors do that same test, but I think the key that you just touched on, because they did not use a disinfectant in the test, right. they used a contact charger with something different, whether just water or powder gotcha. to show you how it wraps around. Yeah. If they were to use an actual disinfectant in that, you would have had a different result. Because of because it's you know the cationic and you know the positive charges or negative charges of, of the product. It's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. if you use an induction charge system, Bioplanets, right. with a disinfectant, we actually show that. That's part of our disinfectant. In fact, if you go online, take a look, YouTube, whatever it may be, social media, uh, we have a a fence post, a four sided fence post mm-hmm. that's with chalk. We use the chalk on the fence post that turns color when it gets wet. So what we show is the wetness all the way around to the backside using a disinfectant. And that's the biggest difference. Oh, cool. Thank you. Interesting. Now, I also read somewhere that you were involved with heat stress and performance. Seems kind of like a, a different, I don't know, different, uh, different product line there. But um, how are you involved with heat stress and performance? What type of services do you offer in that area? You bet, Joe. So I'm glad you asked that. So the part of our product family here at BioPlanet, this is a new technology. Well, let me back up. It's a current technology we currently use in our disinfection systems, but used for a different purpose. So I can see you scrolling through the website a little bit there. It's called Be Cool. So our purpose, our number one goal here at BioPlanet is safety and health. As I mentioned, uh, whether it's air surface or or uh, air, air quality or the surface disinfection. But let me back up. So some of our customers, we're working with our customers on total biosecurity, and we have a partnership with Merck Animal Health. And we were approached as far as during the, the on the actually equestrian side for the equine during horse shows and things like that. So we're working with them around biosecurity programs around ISSA GBAC to get some standards around there to prevent some illnesses. Again, it's around prevention at that point. Um, a lot of folks talk about how you you know, treat illnesses. Again, here at BioPlanet, we talk about how we prevent. So how this came up was, hey, how can you help us maybe also reduce heat, heat exhaustion, heat-related illnesses, whatever it may be during these performances? So we took the same technology, a little bit of a modification, but only put water in it. So again, you go back to that same purpose. Think of it as, I like using that spray tan booth, right? So think of it as if you were to use a pump-up spray with just water, well, is it going to wet you? Yes. Is it electrically charged with induction? No. So if you use our technology that's charged that way, what we found out, not just in horses, athletes, and a lot of the other prototypes we used with athletic trainers uh, back in the fall, it was reducing not just the skin, but also the core temperature eight degrees in the first 30 seconds. And where, do they go through like a, a spray booth here? How does that work? No, same handheld devices. So we have a backpack and a handheld. And again, it's using our same technology with just water. We would spray them down. And Joe, you brought up an interesting point because um, what we found out, we were looking at the data and we saw different. It was all reducing the skin and some of the core temperature, but in some cases, the core temperature was getting reduced even more. So we went back to those users, the athletic use trainers, to find out how they were getting better results. And we found there was actually a method to it. 
uh, we learned a little bit along the process. So AVAs are the type of veins that are in your face, hands, and your feet. And when you treat those areas with this Be Cool system, that's where you get the benefit of the core temperature getting lowered. That's that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting topic. And I know it's it's an interest, a huge um, focus right now for OSHA with respect to people who are working, you know, it's, it's hotter outside now than it has been in the past, or there's a lot more concern about heat stress. What are you doing in that area, if anything, right now? Joe, again, I'm glad you brought that up. So this is such a new uh, product for us. As I mentioned, we rolled out a prototype back in the fall, made a few modifications. Just in the last two months, we started manufacturing this. Several major league baseball teams, major and minor league baseball teams have purchased this. Uh, we have we just signed on Peach Belt Conference for all of their schools. Uh, their athletic trainers will start working with them. We are their designated uh, disinfection technology and student athlete cooling provider uh, through the Peach Belt. We were also talking to several other folks. So this is so early. Um, there's a lot of work to do at this point. We're reaching out to a lot of athletic trainers, athletic directors, just to get the word out. Cause again, there's nothing else on the market that has a technology to reduce the core temperature of athletes. Other than that, uh, well, it replaces the ice bucket, which is of course not healthy. <laughs> well, or what about like, um, you know, on the sideline of a football game, you'll see these big fans and they're kind of spraying, um, you know, uh, uh, water mist, moisture, you know, moisture across the area to try and try and cool the players down. Is it is it similar to that? But it it coats better and it, it goes more directly to the important areas. It does. Yeah, it's basically because of the droplet size. You touched on it. So those cooling systems work. Again, it's more good, better, best. So those are working, but it's more wetting. It's making them wet because of the size of the droplet. And if anything, it's not sticking. A lot of times, it just drops off because it's a wetness, whereas ours, because it's so small of a droplet size and it's attracting to the surface, once it evaporates, that's where you're getting the benefit. And what size are these droplets? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned. So <laughs> on the technical side, so the on the disinfection side, we can go, are you ready for this? 35 billion droplets per minute. <laughs> wow. Yes. And... and- well, what I'd like to do now, let's go into your background a little bit because you have a fascinating background uh, and a lot of interesting experience. You were in the military, you were in construction, you're in sustainability, business optimization, a little time in restoration, mm-hmm. a lead AP. How did you first get involved? You know, you went from the military um, to to the construction industry, basically. How did you first get involved in indoor environmental quality? You know, Joe, so this was back in elementary school when I first found out about indoor air quality. I don't know if everyone's familiar with the book by Rachel Carson, Silent Spring. Um, I had a book report due. Uh, I don't know if it was second, third grade, fourth grade, something like that. I did a book report on the Silent Spring. Um, I'm actually Native American, Chippewa Indian. So this is something I'm passionate about. Uh, It's kind of in our genes around holistic healthcare and things. So when I read this book, it enlightened me to some of the other things that was going on in the world. So as I went through my career, it wasn't really something I was pursuing as my career, but I kept finding myself being attracted to it, whether, you know, as you saw in the military, I was a Lean Six Sigma. We were looking for opportunities. 
um, for indoor environmental quality. Of course, you know, working with the downsizing of the military and still recruit uh, military folks there. And this was part of the pitch. So uh, long story short, when I got into construction, again, there was a project that came up called LEED. This was early 2000. Uh, we were at a company conference and the our top CEO, president of the company stood up and says, we have a brand new LEED certified building coming online. None of, none of us had ever heard of that. It's going to be one of the first buildings in the United States. And who wants to be part of this project? My boss stands up and said, you can't spell lead without Lee. Jason Lee, you're on the project. So that's how I became <laughs> part of the, the lead community. About three years later, I took my lead AP exam and then became a lead AP O&M just after that. Wow. Hey, I want to go back through your experience a little more. But before we do, I got a couple of texts that I think are good. The, the first, I don't know if you mentioned the size of the droplets. So is there a droplet size? I, you know, there is. It escapes me right now, but I can circle back with you on that. We'll come back. We'll get it in the blog. And then the other thing was the product sounds interesting for athletic trainers. Do they have any plans to certify products with AAFA? That's the American Allergy and Asthma Foundation, I believe, or the Allergy and Asthma Foundation of America. Um, I know Tom is very interested uh, in that. He's a big a big power builder or a weightlifter and also has terrible um, respiratory issues with asthma and, and, and allergies, et cetera. Any, any chance on getting that approved by AAFA? You know, we just reached out to them We within the last couple of weeks. We have not heard back. Um, if you have a contact, we'd love to speak with them. Those are one of the several organizations we'd love to work with. Yeah, it seems like it shouldn't be that difficult because it's basically water i mean it's you're not adding anything to the water are you we're not it's not just what and you know you bring up not just on the be cool side but also on the disinfection side so our chemistry also has zero vocs uh, you know there's no quat no alcohol so completely safe on the disinfection side as well very interesting. Okay. And then Susan Valenti said she has some contacts there. We'll put you in touch with her. All right. So moving along with your experience, you, you've got a wide range of experience. Uh, over the years, you've worked with, you know, many companies, Fortune 500 companies, big school districts, et cetera. What's the most important thing that a building owner or operator can do to help with their indoor environmental quality? Great question. And, and this is something that, you know, when I, got into BSC, building service contractor industry, a little over 15 years ago. Um, it was a company called GCA. They were going through a merger and acquisition. We actually purchased seven companies across the United States to be a national company. But uh, if you're familiar with Graham Crothall, he, his vision for this back in 2006 when he created this, this company was, if everyone's familiar, he came from the healthcare side. So what he wanted to do, he purchased all kinds of different BSCs who had expertise in different verticals, 23 verticals in total, education, commercial, textile, viral pharma, I could go on. Uh, but he had number one goal. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to make sure we were protecting our employees first by the pr proper products, tools, and equipment that they were using on a day-to-day -day basis. And two, he wanted to adopt healthcare standards for all of those verticals, not just the healthcare uh, industry. So that's how we went to market. Uh, that's where I was first exposed from it, from the product side, product tools and equipment. Because for everybody, if you're a building service contractor, number one, if you don't have a building that's LEED certified or pushing these standards, I would definitely encourage you to still look at these other best practices 
because again, those are your employees to protect their safety first, because they're the ones who are using on a day-to-day basis. And so what what are some specific steps that, that you see employers taking that have helped with the health and safety of their employees? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, from the chemical, definitely want to be using a proper chemical. It goes back to that good, better, best. You can find a obviously several sanitizers and disinfectants that are approved, obviously, through the EPA. But take a little bit further look. If you don't have an air quality monitor, get an air quality monitor, test the air before and after your employees go in there and treat the surface as well as with that product. Um, I actually have an air quality monitor here. We use that in our demos. It's by ThinkLight. We also have another one by Hawken. Great products. Uh, but if you don't know what it's using, you know, I'll give this as an example. If you smell something, that fragrance or whatever it may be, because it's quat or alcohol, it's bad. You know, if you have allergies or asthma, like someone just mentioned, this is just having a negative impact of the indoor air quality, which has, as we all know, a lot of other health impacts. Cliff, I did, I want, did you want to jump in? Um, I'm good now. Thanks. Okay. I, I, you were also... Um, Early on with Centex, which is now owned by Pulte Commercial and Residential, mm-hmm. you worked on a, a product. I just wanted to talk to, to you about it because Cliff wasn't familiar with it. Uh, your R&D team developed tubes in the wall, a TAX system. Tell us a little bit about that, if you would. Yes, sir. Yeah. So this is this was uh, developed through Centex when I was there. as part of a project on the side. It became part of the research and development team as well. Um, I was a resident agent. It's called a resident agent to the Department of Agriculture. So that's all their compliance, if you will. Uh, so we were taking a look at this technology, quite simply what it is. And it goes back to not just employee safety, but the application of efficacy. So again, this is around pest control or any other method. So what we were doing is we were installing tubes within the walls, if you will, with the it's accessible outside of the home or the uh, commercial building. And we were using forced air to push the pesticide through these tubes to basically provide a barrier around that building to prevent any insects or occasional invaders, as they call it, from getting inside. And these tubes were inserted during construction? Yes, ideally. Yeah, sometimes they were after construction, but as you can imagine, that was not ideal. Um, If we did after construction, we would just usually do it either in the basements or in the uh, crawl spaces. Okay. And you also were part of a um, a task force, the COVID-19 task force with the Well Building Institute. Um, I wonder if you could talk to us for a minute about your work with both ISSA, which I, I don't know that a lot of our audience is that familiar with the ISSA. They're, they're big in the building uh in the building industry, you know, the cleaning and building industry, building service contractor industry. And also GBAC, which is, um, I can't remember what GBAC stands for, but it, 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 maybe you could let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll start with the ISSA GBAC. So ISSA is the International Sanitary Supply Association. Uh, they oversee all the Jansan for the most part, uh, in addition to the BSCs and the building service contractors for all of our janitorial suppliers. And that's in-house or contractors. Um, the GBAC program was developed several years ago. It stands for Global Bio-Risk Advisory Council. And what this is, is exactly what we said. It is taking a look at best practices, again, the better best, of everything from products, tools, equipment, to processes, how to make sure we protect uh, against infection. So it's around prevention, obviously, 
Uh, but there's also protocols in there uh, if, if you were to have an outbreak. And, and I assume your role there is what led to working maybe not with the re- recovery task force for COVID-19 and other respiratory infections, which I think is an important part of that. Yeah. Uh, prevention, preparedness, resilience, and recovery with International Well-Building Institute. Is that how you got involved there? It was. Yeah. So that was rolled out just at the beginning of COVID when the pandemic broke out. A lot of the work that several of us sat in on that, that committee, uh, we we were we had worked together in a lot of different ways leading up to that. International Well-Building Institute reached out to us to form a formal council. And we were advising the CDC and the EPA about how to go forward with COVID and the pandemic at the time. So if you remember right, the CDC, it was almost daily was sending out updates around the pandemic and as they were learning new new develops with that, with that, you know, as we all know, a novel pathogen. So we were helping them as far as not only as we identified what the issue was, but also providing what the solution would be to, to, to mitigate it. And was there a lot of conversation then about whether or not COVID was airborne or whether it was causing issues on surfaces? And what, what did you guys come up with? It was. And that's why we called, as you saw, both respiratory as well. Because uh, we all know anything that's airborne, and I think this is where some folks get a little confused, it is an airborne virus, COVID, as we all understood. But what happens, obviously, with gravity, I don't have my bubbles here, but I usually do a demonstration, the reason I say that. So it, because it's airborne, it, gravity pulls it down. It's going to fall. And the most important thing, the reason why we go back to that with the chemistry side, the less VOCs and the better air quality you have, the faster those molecules fall to the surface, and then they can be properly removed. So the problem is if you have higher contents of VOCs, so if you have you know, fragrances or any type of smells that you think are good, or maybe a product of chemistry that's alcohol, or maybe has a higher content of VOCs, those are actually staying suspended within the air. And what's happened if you have COVID or a flu or anything else that's also in the space, it attaches to those and they become suspended longer, which is an issue, as we all know. And, you know, just so our audience knows, I'm kind of using your background to set up the second half of the interview, which is going to be where we talk about some some current events like COVID, et cetera, and get your thoughts on, on how those should be handled. One of the other things I noticed in your background is you worked as a business development executive business development executive at ATI Restoration. I think that's a pretty big outfit. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your time there. You bet. So fantastic. Uh, Family owned by the Moors. The Moors are a fantastic family. Uh, California based. They are a national company. I came in as a uh, business development executive. I actually had all of the sales business development managers from, I say this, I had like having fun with this, but it's everything east of the Rockies. So (laughs) Uh, a lot of their business started in the West, so it was very dense there. And then I had, I don't know, about 35 business development folks east of the Rockies in that role. Uh, what made it interesting there is if you looked at my time when I was there, that was also during COVID, as well as we had some pretty unique natural events that happened. We had that deep freeze that came through you know, the middle part of the country, Dallas, Texas, came all the way up through Denver and Chicago. Uh, we also had four hurricanes. I think three out of the four hit almost New Orleans direct or right around there, Port Charles, if I remember right. So it was a unique time. We were we had a lot of natural disasters going on all at the same time across our footprint. And and they're they're doing really well. I get their uh, press releases. We're gonna have to get uh, one of the Moors on the show sometime. But they they are um, 
buying up other companies and growing and expanding quite a bit. Um, interesting group. And uh, I'm wondering, you come from a little different world than the restoration world. What were your thoughts on on restoration when you got involved with these guys? I mean, uh, did you feel like they could use a little a little of your old Sigma Six work, or, or how, how did you feel about the restoration industry? I, I loved it, yeah, as you can imagine. So even on the BSC side, because of my project work around LEED, uh, I'd worked in some of that space already and partnered with some of those folks. Um, I knew a lot of the folks over there at ATI as well. Um, so I was coming into a situation where I'd already worked with several of the, the teammates over there. So I was fortunate in that respect. A little bit of learning curve as far as you know, learning the, the compliance side. Um, IICRC was very beneficial for me there. Uh, they got a great training staff that onboarded. But as you mentioned, it, the Moors do a fantastic job. From a disaster recovery perspective, this is the part that, that kind of goes unnoticed. There are so many things that restoration companies do to help prevent. Obviously, they cannot prevent a natural man-made disaster, but they can prevent the impact that it has to your business or home. So if you're looking at a good disaster recovery, I know First Onsite is one of your also your sponsors. They're a fantastic outfit as well, and they embrace the prevention. They're not just reactive. And one more thing on your uh, bio that I saw. You were on the faculty at Green Seal. Tell us a little bit about Green Seal and what you did there. You bet. Um, so that lends to the LEAD. I don't know if everyone's familiar. So on the LEAD, IEQ, Indoor Environmental Quality, on the prerequisites, uh, one of the things is to have Green Seal certified products. Uh, another is for a BSC, a building service contractor, to be GS, it's called GS42, Green Seal 42 certified as a company. So Green Seal certifies not just companies, but also products. And we were part of that advocacy approach. So I'm on the faculty side. We were talking about indoor air quality of all things, talking about not just because what this is the issue. And in, in still it faces today, and I know we'll touch on this probably at the current events, but the problem is with all of the traditional scopes of work, there's nothing about air quality. And everything we're talking about when we're talking about indoor environmental quality, according to LEED, Green Seal 42, and then of course all of their other products, we want to make sure we're attacking, as we found out with COVID, it's also an air quality issue at the same time. Very interesting. All right, we're going to break for halftime here. We're going to come back with the second half. Jason Lee, he's the Vice President of Sales and Client Solutions at BioPlanet. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site, your trusted, full-service disaster recovery and property restoration company at firstonsite.com. Association sponsors are ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, AIHA.org, The Environmental Information Association, EIA's Multidisciplinary Membership, collects, generates, and disseminates information concerning environmental and occupational health hazards in the built environment at eia-usa.org. The IICRC, a nonprofit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry, iicrc.org. The Restoration Industry Association, 
the oldest and largest nonprofit professional trade association dedicated to providing leadership and promoting best practices through advocacy, standards, and professional qualifications for the restoration industry at restorationindustry.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, free shipping, great pricing, same-day results with no rush fee, AEMLINC.com. Particles Plus, feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation, count on us, ParticlesPlus.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations, TSI.com. Tramex Meters, developing modern dynamic moisture meters and humidity monitoring systems since 1974, TramexMeters.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers, HealthyIndoors.com. All right, we're back with Jason Lee and the Z-Man here with me and John Faith at the controls. Jason, one one position I skipped that I want to make sure we cover is you were the Director of Specialty Services Division at the Bud Group. And um, you've had some interesting projects because of that Specialty Services designation, I think. I wonder if you could tell listeners a little bit about what you did there and then maybe give us one of your more interesting projects. Absolutely. So, the Joe Bud, Joe Bud is the owner of the Bud Group. If you're familiar with anyone here in the North Carolina area, again, another family-owned company, fantastic company, about 15 minutes here from my home in North Carolina. Um, Joe called over uh, again, another person who I worked with. He was from Diversity. He was actually my national account rep. Uh, contacted me, Matt Strife. Matt, if you're listening, thank you for everything you've done. Uh, but contacted me. They mentioned that they were working through a specialty services division. This is again following COVID coming off the heels of COVID. And what they wanted to do, they are GS42 as well as a building service contractor, Green Seal 42. And they wanted to build out their programs as it relates to both indoor air quality and their janitorial piece. So they continued to do the janitorial. We took on what we called specialty projects, uh, which was a lot of different things. Um, But on the indoor air quality side, we partnered with, as an example, ThinkLight. That was our air quality monitoring partner. So we would go in to all of our customers, both current or potential, do an air quality test. We would do the demo, show them their baseline of the current air quality, identify the problems, and then recommend solutions from there. Interesting. And was there any particular projects that stand out in your mind? Yes. Uh, one of the one of the universities that did a nice case study uh, was. Uh, I'm, I'm going. I'm trying to remember. It was. Oh, it's going to hit me. It's it's in Asheville. It's the Asheville Community College. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyhow, it'll come to me. But uh, we rolled out, it's called Airbox. And there's a lot of great air purification systems in room because they didn't want to just take care of it then. They wanted, a, you know, a, really a, a long, a lifetime solution for all their staff, faculty, and their students when they come back to work. So we developed a back to work program. Uh, we did. De- put in their air quality monitors to monitor their air. So they're getting alerts if they were ever to have any type of air quality issues or concerns. And then we also implemented in every single classroom, meeting space, uh, staff meeting, whatever it may be, common areas across the campus uh, at that community college with the Airbox. And Airbox is another a small company. They're right here in North Carolina. If you're not familiar with it, 
it was one of the ones that we vetted. We actually had several couple different uh, uh, air quality, or, pardon me, air purification systems. That was kind of the Cadillac, if you will, from a price point, but it depended on what you were looking for. There are a couple other ones we offered, but that was, that, that was probably the best one. That was a customer who really valued, you know, we talked about what are the benefits of this. They wanted to protect their staff, faculty, and their students when they came back to school that fall. And we implemented that within the last, uh, well, it was two, two weeks from the time that they called. And what, what is the air box? Is that a monitor or is that something that helps to clean the air? Yep, that's a cleaner. So it's a triple level filtration system. Um, it used both a HEPA, uh, antimicrobial, and a carbon filter. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 getting down to it. Um, you know, you're taking care of the particles with one and the VOCs with the other. I like that. All right, let, let's go over some current events and kind of get your thoughts. I wanted to go over that broad background you have so that we could uh, get people to understand a little better where you're coming from and then go over some of these more broad categories like, you know, what tips would you give a disaster restoration restoration company? They're dealing with hurricanes and flooding, but how can they better serve the clients that you deal with? Yeah, great, great question. You know, first start, before I touch on the client side, I want to touch on what can they do first to protect their employees? As we all know, when they go into a natural or man-made disaster situation, are they properly protected? Do they have the PPE? Um, one of the things that we're educating folks on is to bring our system, the BioPlanet Electrostatic Spray with our chemistry, again, that treats air quality, just to make sure, because they're going to walk in there, not just with them, but a lot of times with another insurance adjuster or possibly the customer. You want to make sure it's a safe area. So it's one of the things we're recommending. Make sure they have all the safety protocols in place when they're looking at those, those properties following a disaster. Uh, and again, BioPlanet using electrostatic sprayer is a fantastic way to do that. Um, from a client's perspective, again, it talks about you know, what, from a prevention side. Again, we cannot prevent a natural disaster, a man-made disaster, but they can do a lot of things to mitigate the, the, the overall, um, I was going to call it disaster again, but the overall damage, if you will. Uh, one of the things, Cliff, you and I talked about this earlier, is a, an antimicrobial barrier protectant. They could apply this um, to the building. Uh, and again, this is this is a residual that helps uh, you know fight mold and mildew in those types of areas to where maybe the tear out isn't as bad. Or if there is a disaster that something happens, maybe a small leak, there isn't type any type of mold or mildew issue. I mean, I was a real big believer and advocate of that, you know, particularly with a lot of the companies that were doing COVID. You know, they would go in, uh, they would, you know, use uh you know, your technology or a similar technology, similar products. And really the customer had no uh, longevity in terms of protection because a lot of times the antimicrobials don't last very long. And by using that type of coating afterwards, uh, you know, these people can get long-term protection, you know, months, you know, or, you know weeks, months, uh, years, depending on, uh, you know, what type of surface they don't wash off and so on and so forth. So, you know, I thought that, yes, it would cost a little more money as part of the application, but at least they have something uh, afterwards rather yeah. than, than not nothing. just to kill what's there, but to give you some residual claim and, and some residual protection. protection. Yeah. Right. Interesting. All right. Um, the next 
topic is a hot one right now here on the East Coast, and that is wildfires. Um, I'm wondering, what do you see with respect to building owners doing on wildfire-related issues? Yeah, so it kind of leads, that's a great lead from, from what we just talked, from the antimicrobial barrier protectant. So again, that is a residual that can continue to, to help with indoor air quality. So as we all know, if this is a disaster we couldn't re- we couldn't prevent. Um, but, you know, two things. Let's talk on the HVAC side real quick. So right now I can imagine what's going on. Do you want to open your windows? No. If anything, right now, hopefully they're keeping all their buildings shut. But it's bringing in outside air, which is polluting the indoor air. And depending on as many as air turns, um, as far as the cubic feet, they're trying to turn cubic feet, per, uh, cubic turns per minute, uh, pardon me, per hour, right? Depends on the space, how efficient, effective, their filtration, right? All this, it's not effective. Uh, it could take up to hours, even days to remove this properly. So again, what we're recommending is, is a maintenance program because what you just mentioned, Joe and Cliff, you know, what we're talking about, a lot of folks during COVID, if I can back up, let me regress here for a second. During COVID, and it wasn't just air quality, it was COVID pathogens, you know, a lot of these other things that were going on, as we talked about with the natural disasters, they were using electrostatic spraying technology to mitigate that as a reactive. And we thought this would be the new norm. Now, unfortunately, what's happened is they now see that as an event-based technology. They're not using it on a maintenance program on a day-to-day for for examples like this. What about another hot topic? You're building service contractors. You guys have to deal with mold all the time. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about how building service contractors look at the mold issue. Um, what guidelines do they follow? Um, do, do many of them handle it themselves? If it's a small amount of mold, do they have their own people clean it up? Uh, what are you seeing out in the field? Yeah, so the first question is, is it mold or mildew? So for everybody on the call, if you're not familiar with that, so if it's mildew, as long as you're a trained technician, you do not need to be certified. There are regular products that you can use to remove that mildew. However, once you recognize that it is a mold spore, that's when it changes. Um, you have to be certified, such as through an IIC, uh, CRC with a technician. If you do not have a BSC, if you do not have a certified technician in mold removal, that's when you have to call a company like First On Site who does. Okay. And and let's go over um, uh, disinfecting. I want to talk a little bit more about disinfecting, but I'm, I'm wondering uh, with respect to disinfecting surfaces, is it just the one product you have or are there several, are there others? So we have a, so on the chemistry side, we have a, it's a called Clean Republic. It's HOCL product. So we can do a couple of things. It's a general cleaner on the sanitizer side. It's also EPA labeled disinfectant, has a one minute kill claim for COVID. And then we also do have a antimicrobial barrier protectant as well. Um, So we have, it's called a three-step process. As everyone knows, Um, you must first clean, then disinfect, and then protect. Clean, disinfect, protect. And that follows the GBAC standard as well for uh, for what's a best practice. I, I noticed this vital oxide. I've heard of that somewhere. What, what is that product? Yeah, so it's another mold and mold mildew uh, remover. Uh, that does have some VOCs in there. So if you need something more caustic, if you will, uh, that is something that's used a lot in the, as an example, the cruise lines. 
So as you can imagine, all of our cruise lines, this is something they need more on a day-to-day basis uh, just to do to the environment. And is that uh, the active ingredient there, hydrogen peroxide? or No, I think it's chlorine dioxide and quad, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Cliff, let me go ahead and follow up on that. Um, is is that your product or is that something that you distribute? Now, that's the something that we distribute. Yeah, the sure. Clean Republic is what we manufacture. This okay. is one that's that we distribute. Understood. Understood. Uh, go, go, back. go ahead, Cliff. Oh, going back to the uh, GBAC and, and so on and so forth with the three-step clean, disinfect, and protect. Um, a lot of times that takes three different steps. And a lot of times I, I think you can probably do it in two because a lot of the products have, you know, if I was going to use a cleaning product, I would probably select one that was also antimicrobial so I could clean and sanitize the surface uh, at the same time. And then uh, you know, I can kind of kill two birds with, with one stone rather than cleaning with one product and then putting an antimicrobial on it, which may not be compatible with what you cleaned with and may not be compatible with what the coating is. So I, I think chemical compatibility mm-hmm. is really potentially a, a, a big issue. And, and I think that probably these people, should, it should be required or worked out that the products that are used are compatible. And I think a lot of times people may not even think about that, but a lot of times, uh, you know, you can't use uh, cationic or quat type products at the same time you're using anionic products that are negatively charged and, and, and so on and so forth. They cancel each other out from an antimicrobial standpoint. So um, I think chemical compatibility is a big issue, but yep. Certainly is. Jason, I, I- I want to talk quickly about bioplanet. Is it? Did you just go public, or how, how did that work? Or you, you combined with another group and went public? How did that work? We have, yes, sir. Yep. So we are now under PLPL. We're on the penny stocks. Here in the next several months, our goal is to be on the Nasdaq, publicly traded. Uh, we're excited about the about the news. So Rick O'Shea, as our owner, CEO, CEO, president. He is the one that started this technology who met with Steve Cooper, uh, who has the technology on the induction charge. So years ago, they partnered up and started combating the issues with the norovirus back with the cruise lines. And this was their, this was part of their goal. They wanted to take this company public. So we're, it's exciting times here at BioPlanet. Interesting. All right, let's go to the roundup, John. Roundup. All right, let's welcome our newest sponsor, Tramex Meters. Also want to mention Indoor Environmental Information Association. Uh, very good groups of people. Welcome back on board. I want to, Jason, what do you guys see coming down the pike? You know, I mean, what, when you're looking at the future of indoor environmental quality, what do you guys see as, as the big topics coming up? You know, it's about what's missing. So, Joe, you know, everything that we're talking about right now, we, we've got a saying here at the BioPlanet, we want to challenge the status quo and transform the industry. Because right now, the standard right now doesn't even include indoor air quality as a preventive maintenance. It's not in scopes of work, but janitorial. Uh, and if they're not monitoring their air, 
they don't know that they have issues. So what we want to see is indoor air quality monitoring for the safety of not just their employees when they show up to work every day, but the occupants within that space. And then, of course, those proper protocols that clean, disinfect, and protect on an ongoing basis that addresses both air and surfaces. And I want to go back for a moment. You, you talked about low-cost monitors, and that's been a big topic here lately. And um, you mentioned a couple, and I don't think I know the, the, the brand. Can you mention those again for me? Yes. Yep. So we work with two. It's called Think Light, all one word, Think, L-I-T-E, Light. We use their Think Light Flare. They have a version two. It's a fantastic system. That's what we use for our demos, along with Hawken, Hawken IQ. Um, Hawken has another program, a little bit different. Of course, they're all monitoring the same thing, just a little bit different dashboard or user experience. Depends on what you're looking for. And how do you spell Hawken? Yep, H-A-W-K-E-N. K-E-N, okay. And did you guys try other ones and then find those were the best, or is this just something that, you know, you were working with them on something else and decided, hey, we're going to use these monitors? We have, I'm glad you asked that. I left that out. So we had, we were testing all kinds when I was at the Bud Group. We were testing all kinds of air quality monitors. Uh, what set part, uh, both Thinklight and Hawken, they were the only ones who monitored down to 0.1, which we all know that's COVID. So if you do not have an updated monitor who can, that can monitor below 0.1, you're you're missing whether or not it's a novel pathogen. What's the price point on these? Uh, depends on how many you get, of course. Uh, retail, they run around $2,000. And then, of course, there's a monthly uh, uh, subscription, if you will, to, to receive the data, the app, you know, all the dashboards, things like that. And when you were talking about the community college, you were monitoring a lot of different rooms. If it comes, you know, it's $2,000, how many rooms can I monitor for $2,000? So those, go, those can go up to 10,000 square feet. Uh, it depends on how the rooms are separated, but that can go up to 10,000 square feet. Okay, but it's just one unit, right? I don't have like a separate one in like 20 different rooms. That's right. Yeah. So you just go by the square footage. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can use nodes to your point. Uh, so you could have one single unit and then, of course, nodes in those separate classrooms. Oh, they have nodes that can 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 communicate back to the main unit, I guess? Yes, sir. Okay. And how many did you use, do you remember, in the uh, community college situation? Mm, hundreds. I, I don't remember. We did so many. And are some of these nodes included with the base price, or do you have to add on some costs for that as well? No, nope, that's part of the program. Uh, so what, they, what we would do, yeah, we would come in. What we did there is we did the demo, uh, and then we figured out, as you can imagine, you got you have to engineer it as far as what's going to be covered and then set them up. And I think what's important to note is these systems also, because we touched on the air quality, the air purification unit as well. Uh, so they work off of cellular, which is good. That's a lot more reliable than Wi-Fi. So in other words, if you're in a building that doesn't get good Wi-Fi signals or something in the basement, whatever it may be, they all work off of cellular, so which is good. You can always get your accurate data. And it also gives you updates. So from the filter side, uh, it'll monitor also how often those fans come on and off or what setting you have it at. So if somebody goes into a classroom and turns up the fan setting that you're not aware of, it'll send you an alert that that filter needs to be replaced sooner than the other ones. So this is more than just a typical, like I have a little speck or, you know, one of these air light or purple or whatever, you know, there's different little small IAQ monitors. This is more of a system. What parameters do these 
products that you're using now, the Think Light and the Hawk and IAQ, what, what parameters do they measure? Is it just particles? Do they include VOCs, um, temperature, relative humidity, et cetera? Yes. Yeah, so it's actually got one here behind me. I'm blurred out, so you probably can't see it in the background. But um, uh, two levels of particulate matter, all the way down to point one, as I mentioned, VOCs, CO2, um, in addition to the humidity temperature as well. And what's unique, it gives you an aggregate air quality of reading, if you will, uh, based on all of those, in addition to mold. So it's reading, if you have an area, because as we all know, a lot of folks, again, we're talking prevention, a lot of folks don't know they have mold until they can see it, which we all know it could be years until it, until you can actually see mold. So you could have an issue there with this air quality monitor. It could show you what we call leading indicators give you a leading indicator. You could have a, an environment that's that's kind of a Petri dish for mold, and then you could find out where the source is and prevent it from, you know, from there. Cliff, I got a, I'm seeing a bunch of texts coming in. I want to know, can you, uh, have you been able to read those or? Yeah, no, I, I've read, uh, I read Tom's, Tom talked about the products that he was using in his house. And I had suggested that he consider using a uh, hypochlorous uh, acid product and uh, Jason's company happens to sell one of those and I think it would be less harsh uh, than what he's using but actually I do have a question for Jason I want to go back to the tubes in the walls <laughs> I knew that would get you <laughs> uh, situation uh, has that caught on are they still marketing that you know, so we're talking, this was 20 years ago. Okay, I understand. Um, I can follow up. I did see their trucks running around, and it still has Tayax on the side of the truck. So I assume they're still using it. Okay, because, you know, I went onto their website, and I, I kind of looked, and, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, it, it seemed that, you know, they ran the piping in the walls, and I guess there were little nozzles that were in the walls, and, you know, a technician outside the home. Uh, I guess would use an aerosol can or, or, or something, you know, an aerosolized product that I guess would be gas pressurized, or I guess you could use something else. But what I was trying to figure out is, you know, if you had something like termites, particularly subterranean termites, it would seem that I was trying to figure out how that would work for that. Cause a lot of times they're in the wood and then they build their own tunnels out of mud and they're inside. And it would seem that, you know, unless you wetted those, you know, unless you wetted the tubes, I wasn't sure how, how you would deal with them. But what sorts of insects did did the system control? Yeah, so it, it was not effective against termites, as you gotcha. know. Those okay. are subterranean, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, this was effective for any type of general pest or occasional invader to the home okay. or gotcha. business, right? Gotcha. Okay, no problem. Thanks, Ed. Interesting. And uh, here is Jason, we're... What is BioPlanet Head? Are you adding any new uh, product lines, any new services? Uh, are you going to focus on what you have right now? What What do you see as the future? Yeah, it's a great question. So as I mentioned, you know, our foundation, our mission is the safety and health of all, pets, plants, and people. So we're always looking for partners, um, possible acquisitions as well. Um, we're in talks possibly with some mergers and acquisitions right now. I can't disclose with who those are, uh, but... We're, we're always looking to advance in the industry. So if we can partner with someone independently or bring them on board as part of the BioPlanet family, we're always interested in the conversation. I'm curious, how did the focus, it just seems kind of different that it's pets, plants, and people. What, 
how did that happen? I, I, is there somebody that was one of the founders that was like, hey, you know, I got a pet and I want them taken care of, or how did, and I and I want my house plants to grow big and strong? I mean, how did that focus come out? Yeah, I, you know, so it's me. That's all me. That's not a marketing. It's not that. That's my way of just oversimplifying what we do and the impact. So we work with people, right, on the disinfection indoor air quality. Uh, we work with the equine, as I mentioned, with Merck on the animal health, as an example. We work with vet clinics. Um, as well as plants. I don't know if everyone's aware. So on the agricultural side, our technology is also used to help prevent mold and mildew in crops and plants and agriculture as well. What about grow, grow, uh, you know, marijuana grow rooms? Are you doing anything there? We do have some. Yes. Yeah. So for uh, medical based cannabis, this is, as you know, as tight as those plants are, it's hard to get any product down in there to prevent it. We were given a study that on average, uh, about 30% of the crop is lost due to powdery mildew. And in our studies, we were reducing it less to 3%. And using the the, the induction uh, product that we talked yeah. about earlier? Using our electrostatic sprayers, that's right. Electrostatic sprayers. Clean Republic, that's right. Very interesting, very interesting. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to add, Jason? Uh, I know you mentioned, Cliff, I appreciate the plug on the HOCL for Clean Republic. Uh, if you go on our website, you can purchase that or we're on Amazon uh, for consumers, if that's of interest. But I just want to appreciate everybody's time. Uh, there's a lot of education around indoor air quality. Again, I think it's a huge miss. It's something that's not in the current scope of work. And we can do, I would do want to plug this. I just want to throw this out because one of the things we didn't touch on was labor issues right now with BSCs. Building service contractors have all kinds of labor issues. Uh, we just did a time study. Uh, we followed a disinfection technician and in a four-hour shift. It took them 203 minutes to do a four-hour shift for their tasks of all their dis- high touch points. And when they implemented our system, it only took them 55 minutes. Now, keep in mind, that wasn't just high touch points. We were also treating all of the air and 100% of the surfaces within that space. So huge labor savings benefit as well. Hey, Joe, if I might just, just follow up for one second, you know, going to this hypochlorous acid situation, you know, a lot of these folks that, that are listening are very familiar with chlorine bleach and that's sodium hypochlorite. And you could take straight chlorine bleach and which is five and a quarter percent and it is not a sterling. So it'll kill a wide range of, of, you know, pathogens and so on and so forth, but it is not a sterling. Straight bleach. If you take one part bleach, 49%, or I'm sorry, one part bleach, 49 parts water, okay, and lower the pH below five, what you'll do is release hypochlorous acid into that water and it will be a sterling. So that's the molecule that Jason. You know, product has, and there are other competitive products uh, is as well. You know, to be fair and honest, but it's it's an excellent technology, and you don't have to have surfactants and so on and so forth uh, along with it. So just check it out, and uh, you know, it's it's. I think uh, you know, it's probably a, a good product for the future and the present. Yeah. Appreciate it. We're getting a lot of calls for customers looking for a non-alcohol or alcohol-free. And this is a great alternative to that. Why is that? 
for non-alcohol. So as an example, yeah. prison systems, uh, all of the prison systems cannot have an alcohol-based product, whether it's hand sanitizer or disinfectant. Right. They'll either drink it or set it on fire. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And now, of course, everyone's now understanding the impact because of the VOCs or the air quality impacts of those other disinfectants. Gotcha. Very good. Well, Jason Lee, we want to thank you for joining us this week. Been a very, very interesting show. I also want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. John, you got to have faith at the controls. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal audience and uh, our sponsors. Next week, by the way, we've got uh, Jeremy Beagle, CIH from ETA Environmental. Jeremy's been doing a lot of work on uh, – he does a lot of legal work, actually, but he's also a big uh, indoor environmental quality consultant that does a lot of indoor environmental quality consulting. He's at the AI, IAQA. I think he may be next in line to be president there. So we're looking forward to a great show with him next week. Please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next episode of – IAQ Radio Plus. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reel saying thanks for listening. 